welcome to Make Change Fun and Easy with your happiness expert, Samia Bano. This is the podcast to help change makers, coaches, trainers, and healers break your chains of fear so you can create the impact and income you desire with fun and ease. Please make sure you subscribe to enjoy every episode. This podcast is sponsored by the Happiness 101 program. Hello, salam, shalom, namaste, sashikal, aloha, hola, ciao, bonjour, buna, and privet. It's really, really awesome to be with you again. And guess what? We have a returning guest. And it's Alex Colquette. And actually, Alex, uh, we have done two other episodes before this one. So an extra, extra welcome back to you. Thank you. Yes, Samia, thank you so much for having me again for a third time. I love our conversations and I'm really excited to dive into this topic. Yes, yes. And actually, before we dive dive into our topic for today, just for those who might have missed the previous two episodes uh first of all if you did miss the previous two episodes please go back and check those out but uh for right now can you alex tell us once more just a little bit more about who you are and what you do oh yeah absolutely so as samia said my name is alex polkett i am a life coach and happiness expert and i help burnt out women create life work balance by figuring out what meaningful work looks like in support of their happiest healthiest life um i i come from a corporate background where I had my head down. I was doing everything I was told. I checked all of the boxes of climbing the corporate ladder, making a lot of money. And I felt like I wasn't making any impact. I felt like my days were meaningless. I was extremely unfulfilled and I was walking around with no purpose in life. So I had a rock bottom moment that kind of shook me to my core. And I said, enough is enough. I'm going to explore what actually drives me and brings me purpose every single day and makes me feel fulfilled on a daily basis. So I discovered um, holistic health coaching, life coaching, and now I help other women figure out what their purpose is because it was transformational in my happiness and my quality of life. And everyone deserves to feel that. Yes. And I love that about you. And thank you so much for sharing some of your journey with us. Um, I think it's so important. And actually, uh, I'm extra glad you shared that uh, bit of your journey with us today because what I would love to focus on talking with you about today is habits of happiness in the workplace. Uh, for because again, for those of you who may have missed our first uh, couple of episodes, we were talking about holistic habits of happiness and you know just how to create happiness in your life in general. And and one of the very important aspects of our lives is of course our work. And if you're not happy at work, it's happy to be difficult. Uh, it's difficult to be happy in life I should yes. and when you have that kind of realization that I'm not happy at work um, you know it's not always a very s- smooth easy quick transition that you can make from that realization to how you can be happy at work and So I would love to dig deeper with you today, Alex, into this idea of, okay, when you have this realization of I'm not happy at work, what are the steps that we can sort of go through to transition into um, doing work that we love? And in the meantime, while we're going through that transition period, what can we do to support our happiness in the meantime or in the in that period of transition hey thanks for tuning into this episode hope you're getting value out of it for your information 
This episode has been sponsored by the Happiness 101 program. Are you a change maker, coach, trainer, or healer? Are chains of fear holding you back from making the impact and income you desire? Using a unique combination of positive psychology and the spiritual wisdom of our most effective change makers, the Happiness 101 program helps you break through your limiting beliefs and manifest the abundance and success you desire with fun and ease. Interested? Book a free Happiness 101 exploration call with me, your happiness expert, Samia Vano. Just use my online calendar link in the show notes. Now back to the show. Yeah, absolutely. So where do I dive in? I have so many places I want to start with this. So I think looking back at my experience, like you were just saying, work takes up 40 plus hours of your week. And I say plus very strategically because I don't think anybody actually works only 40 hours. Work tends to monopolize more of our time than we want to let it. And it bleeds into the nighttime. It bleeds into the weekends, especially with remote work having such a big boom when the pandemic happened. It's really hard to have boundaries between your work and life. So I think the first habit of happiness I would love to offer up here is setting boundaries. And I think boundaries is a buzzword right now (laughs) in general. And a lot of times I think we get really stuck on only focusing on boundaries in one sense of the word um, around like time boundaries, right? Of saying, okay, I'm cutting myself off tonight. I'm not checking my email on the weekends, et cetera, et cetera. But where I think we have missed opportunities to create more happiness and create more fulfillment is actually creating other types of boundaries. So in my book, there are three different types of boundaries. The first is time boundaries. That definitely matters. The second, arguably the most important when it comes to happiness in the workplace is emotional boundaries. Mm -hmm. And I can dive into what I mean by those. And then the third is mental boundaries. So like I said, time boundaries are there to ensure that you really are only working for the hours that you're getting paid for um, because we do only get paid 40 hours for 40 hours of our time, right? It feels like we have to answer these emails. We have to finish these projects. But at the end of the day, it's a time and value exchange. And we need to recognize that. And it's okay to say, hey, I don't actually get paid for this overtime. I'm going to stop working now, right? Um, So one tip I have there is to set your working hours on your calendar so that everybody can see. And then you actually need to hold yourself accountable to shutting down at that time cutting yourself off and recognizing that you need a break. Um, Another tip for time boundaries is all about monitoring your notifications. So we are highly connected at all times. And if you see a notification from your boss come through at 8 p.m. on your phone or an email from a client, you're probably gonna answer it because you're seeing that notification, you get triggered by it, you feel the sense of urgency, even though it's kind of made up urgency. And so the tip there would be just turn your notifications off for email, for whatever messaging service that you have, any any notification you could possibly get that is work-related outside of working hours, turn it off. We have full control over what we see and when we see it on our phones. We need to stop letting our phones dictate our mental capacity. Um, And then the third tip I have for time boundaries is really saying no to working on the weekends. That was something I was horrible at when I worked in my corporate world because again, I had those notifications turned on. I would get a slack from my boss Sunday morning and that would trigger Sunday scaries and I'd have like a rush of anxiety feeling like, oh my God, this day is almost over. I have to go back to work tomorrow with a fear of what's on the other side of making myself have to do something I don't want to do. So 
say no to working on those weekends and really set that boundary for yourself. And then that kind of goes hand in hand with tip number two, because you'll be able to turn off the notifications and that will stop triggering you to check your phone or answer an email or respond to a boss out of those working hours. Yeah. So those are all the time boundaries I can share for you. Oh, thank you for those. And I, I can totally relate to the not only relate but testify to the effectiveness of this turning out the notifications yeah uh it's so helpful it's so helpful i mean i remember feeling that anxiety or that sense of okay i have to get back right now to when I saw a notification especially if it was from like a client or a a potential client and uh, part of me was like oh no you know if I don't get back to them right away I might lose them but um, it's like they're they're you're you're so right most of the time it's made up urgency it's uh, most of the time it's they can wait and you can wait um in in the few situations where it might be like something truly urgent i think you can set up protocols for how you can you can you know get through to each other um in in that kind of a context i remember one of the books that i was really inspired by in this context is the four-hour work week Mm-hmm. And in that, uh, the author, Tim Ferriss, he actually provided a template for um, doing these um, automated responses mm-hmm. that you could include in your emails. Uh, that was the context in which he shared the template in any case. And in the template, it basically says something to the effect of, and by the way, I totally uh, use this template for a long time um i don't know if it's still active in my email uh no no don't get distracted time yet back to the template so the 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 basic message of the template was something to the effect of hey i'm implementing uh 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 uh, uh, uh time management system that's going to help me serve you better Mm -hmm. and a part of that is that I check my email from this time to this time and if it's something urgent where you need a response outside of these times and make sure it's urgent then here is a number you can send me a text alert to and I will get back to you as soon as I can Mm-hmm. you know and um and that was it so it's like you 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 let people know what your boundary is and if there's something truly urgent you give them an option for how they can reach you and i love that it emphasized make sure it's actually urgent yeah i was actually going to add to what you were saying is you define the protocol but then you yes. also define what urgent means because what urgent is to me could be very different than what you think is urgent, right? So being on the same page as the people you're working with is hugely important. So then that doesn't get abused, right? It's the, oh, this is urgent. And then everything happens to be urgent. And then the boundary is being broken, which is counterintuitive and makes you more stressed, less happy, more resentful towards the people you're working with towards the work that you're doing and it makes you not want to be there contributes to your unfulfillment yeah indeed so that makes me think about emotional boundaries because that sense of feeling unfulfilled or annoyed or angry Mm -hmm. Uh, tell me more about the emotional boundaries part Yeah, so emotional boundaries are there to protect your energy and to make sure that you're set up for success in your working environment, Mm -hmm. right? And this is just everyone's friendly reminder that you have a say in what your day looks like, right? So oftentimes, I know I felt very intimidated to talk to my boss at points because there's a power dynamic at play. 
But I have to remember that it's a working relationship. It's a two-way street. He is not dictating to me what my day looks like, what I'm doing, right, or she. Um, so this is your opportunity to to have a conversation with not only your boss, but your teammates, the people around you, to really have them understand what your needs and expectations are for the role. So tip number one here would be to share what your working style is and how you like to work. Because we all have different working styles. We all have different, like, I call them like hot zones for when your day is like most productive. We all have different ideas of like when we want to take lunch, how we want to take breaks, right? And if you're not communicating that, no one's going to know. And when somebody is bothering you about something or interrupting your working pattern, you're going to subconsciously get irritated by that consistently without actually setting yourself up for success in that situation, right? So share what your working style is and how you like to work. Um, I think another tip that I'd want to share is, again, your relationship with your boss is a two-way street. Mm. And so talking to that authority about what you want your relationship to look like and how you best receive feedback, how you want your working relationship to look like, that's going to go a really long way. Because again, unfortunately, I think a lot of managers aren't taught how to be leaders. Mm. They're just promoted into those positions to make more money, get a promotion, title change, whatever, but they aren't actually given the skills to manage other people. And from my experience, from a lot of my friends' experience, it feels a little bit of like a dictatorship, uh -huh. which again, makes you really resentful yeah. about the work you're doing. You feel like you don't have autonomy over your role. You feel like you have to be, this is where like micromanaging comes into play a lot. So recognizing that an emotional boundary you can set is say, this is how I like to receive feedback. This is what I want our relationship to look like. And just sitting down and having that open conversation. Yes. Um, yeah. Yes, I, I love this point that you're making, Alex. It makes me think of, wow, at least two really, really important points. Uh, this idea of, you know, who a leader is and the kind of relationship you have um, with the leader that you, I guess, are following or going to choose to follow. Mm -hmm. But also... Uh, uh, thinking about leadership and people in authority positions um, it's sort of like when we think about authority figures or somebody in an authoritative position I think there is a tendency to um, have this concept of well we just have to listen and obey to Correct. authority figure and we aren't always taught or feel empowered to engage in dialogue with the authority figures mm -hmm. in our life about how we want that relationship to function whereas uh, you know the this this idea of you listen and obey to authority figures is just one possible model of how an authoritative uh, relationship could work. And I mean, there are cultures where this is the, the expectation and the cultural um, norm for how authoritative relationships work. But that's one of the cool things that I have discovered about America is that in American culture, it doesn't have to be that way. And, uh, it, you know, it's because we have such a value for individualism, for um, rights and uh, people's individual rights and liberty and 
uh, the the notion of equality, like there's so much value here uh, in the West uh, on of on on all of these values that it, especially in this culture, uh, I find it so much easier and and it makes sense even in in this kind of context to to engage in this kind of communication and dialogue with with the authority figures in your life about how you want that relationship to function but then also it makes me think about i think for me this also um um uh, is a lesson that i've learned most vividly after coming to america is you know this idea of well if you are in the leadership position um then how do you actually become a great leader uh and you know there's this notion that actually it's not like you're born a great leader it's actually that you become a great leader and you become a great leader as a function of learning through experience and feedback from the people you're attempting to lead mm-hmm. uh, how to be a great leader and so yeah. you know from both perspectives it's like the idea is being open to feedback and dialogue yeah. uh in in how you want the relationship to flow and i'll even add to that too it's showing respect for those that you're leading and showing them that you value their individual experience and expertise and what they have to offer actually makes the team better because yeah. it's a different perspective from yours i got um or i have firsthand experience in positions where i felt very undervalued like my opinion didn't matter like any work that i was working on was wasn't good because it wasn't what exactly my boss wanted and that causes friction that causes conflict when you feel undervalued or devalued for the work that you're putting in that causes resentment and stress that conflict comes in you feel less like a part of the team you don't have respect for your boss Right. So losing that respect also makes you start to resent the role and the relationship. And it's really hard to come back from that. Yeah. And a lot of women, I think, especially struggle with feeling respected in the workplace. And that's what causes the burnout. That's a big trigger for unhappiness. So re- remembering that you can stand up and talk to your boss and say, hey, this is what I need from you, actually. This is the type of relationship I want to have. Yeah. This is what's going to help me be my best self in the workplace and do my best work and be my most productive self. I love it. I love it. And so, uh, uh, my gosh, you always make me think of so many questions, Alex. But before I forget to follow up on another uh, thing that you made me think about before, you, you drew a distinction between... Uh, so we already talked about the time boundaries and then you also drew a distinction between emotional boundaries and mental boundaries can you tell me a little bit more about the mental boundaries yeah mental boundaries are really about creating space for breaks mm. so that you can step away and actually rest and reset your mind without feeling like work needs your like immediate attention all of the time right that can look like setting very clear out of out of office emails, actually taking your paid time off, your sick days, your mental health days, taking advantage of all of those things. Um, But two really important like daily habits is owning your calendar. I think we get into um, trouble with meetings. Everybody wants a million meetings for everything and oftentimes they're not productive and they you feel like you're sitting on the computer looking at people all day, which is, draining mentally in and of itself and then you're like oh my god i still have my entire to-do list to work on i've got no brain capacity left for this so owning your calendar and declining anything that's absolutely unnecessary you don't and again you have some authority to say hey 
I don't necessarily think I need to be a part of this conversation. Just send me the notes after, or like send me the highlights, right? Like this is an open dialogue. We can have a conversation about what's necessary, what's not. Again, you can have a conversation with your boss. You can speak up and say, is this a project I need to really be giving all of my attention to right now? If not, please remove me from the invites. Um, so that's something you have some autonomy to do. And then I also think really strategically blocking in time for breaks for yourself to step mm -hmm. away from the computer. And whether that looks like a 30 minute lunch or an afternoon walk, just something to actually stop doing what you're doing and look away and do something completely different, not work related so that your brain can rest and reset. And you oftentimes will come back to that project with a fresh perspective and be more productive working on it the rest of the day. Oh, oh my gosh, that is so true. I can't tell you how many times I've experienced this where, um, you know, especially like when I'm doing writing uh, where yeah. I need to like maybe write a post or a blog or, article or something i have this like perfectionist streak come out where i get obsessed with editing and re-editing every little word and paragraph and all of that and sometimes i, I you know I, I definitely find myself in that place where i'm like stuck and i don't know how to move forward or fix what i think is wrong and then the only one of the only thing that helps in that situation is i'd be like Okay, just shut it down, put it away, go take a break. And then like a real break, like you were saying, Alex, where I'm not thinking about that thing. I'm not thinking about work. And it's like magical I, when I do come back to that task. It's like suddenly it's like, whoa, so obvious. Oh, this is how, how I need to adjust this or that. And suddenly it's like solved. It's done yeah yeah for real and there is science that your physical body is connected to your creative brain mm -hmm. so getting up and moving your body and allowing yourself to like again space to think thinking is productive you don't need to actually be doing work to be productive right like taking the break to think about something is actually much more productive than like you said, sitting in front of the computer and forcing yourself to physically type something out or physically yeah. work on something. Yeah. That's not as productive as giving yourself the space to think and breathe and relax yes. for a second. Because yes. will, like I said, your physical body movement will trigger your creative brain and you'll come back to whatever you were working on. Like, and it'll fly out of you, right? And you're like, oh my God, where was this an hour ago? But you wouldn't have gotten there an hour ago if you had just sat down and kept working, right? You needed the break. You needed the space. Right. My gosh, this makes me rem uh, remember a really funny episode from the Big Bang Theory. I don't know how many of our listeners or if you, Alex, are familiar with that show. I don't watch it religiously. I've seen a few episodes. Okay. Well, there's this one really funny episode where one of the lead characters uh, Sheldon um, you know he's he's a genius and he's a physicist and he he gets stuck on some aspect of some uh, theoretical concept uh, in physics and um, he reads about this research where um He's like, if you engage yourself in mundane work, so you're not thinking about the, the, the problem that you're trying to solve, that will actually help you, like your unconscious mind will be processing and working to figure it out, but your conscious mind is focusing on mundane, mindless kind of work. And then, uh, uh, you know, at some point, the solution will will emerge for you and so he takes this bit of advice and he decides to um, experiment with it and so he goes and he tries out doing various mundane things uh, and he's like what what mindless work can I do and it's a very funny episode where he tries to do all kinds of different things and in the last 
uh, towards the end of the episode, he he uh, decided to go and try being a waiter in the Cheesecake Factory. And in fact, in the moment of him um, serving, being a server uh, in the Cheesecake Factory, he has the light bulb go off and he's like, OMG! And he drops everything like he was holding and he rushes off <laughs> to ride oh down the car. Oh my gosh. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that proves the point. Exactly. And it was just displayed in this really funny, funny way in this particular episode. <laughs> so oh. it's like taking the time to think doesn't always mean you have to sit there and focus on thinking about that thing. It, it really it can also be about taking a break, um, in, at least in the context of your conscious mind and doing something completely different, mundane, uh, that, you know, and, and just trust that your, your brain will nonetheless be thinking about and solving the problems it really needs to solve. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. So, so uh, thank you so much for uh, talking to us about those three kinds of boundaries and giving us some ideas of habits that are tied to those kind of boundary creations. Um, and so one of the questions that I had uh, mentioned earlier that I wanted to dig deeper in with you about is, you know, like when we're thinking about doing work that we love and how sometimes that's a process it doesn't it's not a reality we can always create right away um what does um that process look like for you so from from when you have the realization of of I'm not happy with the work I'm doing now to getting to the point where you are happy with the work that you're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, is there a different perspective, uh, that you have or that we can also utilize besides looking at the boundaries ish? Uh, uh, is there a different way to also think about how you can get to the point of doing work that you love? Yeah, of course. So our, we are all naturally drawn to specific things, specific interests. For instance, I have always loved to perform and like be on a stage and talk in front of people. That is just naturally the type of person that I am. And when you tie that with science. So if you know who Dr. Martin Solomon is, he is a leading psychologist in the study of positive psychology. And he developed these three levels of happiness and level two of happiness and feeling fulfillment, like activating level two of that is embodying your strengths on a daily basis. Right. And so I think the first one of the first steps in finding what meaningful work looks like to you is really understanding what your strengths are because uh. we are, I think it's like five or six times more likely to say we are fulfilled at work. We have found our purpose. If we are activating at least two of our five top strengths. And again, I'll go back to my example like I said, I always loved being on stage performing in front of people. And I am a very outgoing person. I love talking to people. And when I took a strengths test, um, which is a test I take my clients through, I have a whole process in figuring out all of this, right? This is one small piece of the puzzle. When I took that test for myself, my top two strengths are communication. So it makes sense, right? I love chatting. I love being in front of people. I love communicating to people, right? And then my second top strength is woo, which stands for winning others over. So networking, meeting new people, building relationships, all of that good stuff. 
So when I am activating those strengths, I feel a sense of fulfillment. I feel a sense of excitement and joy and happiness. And it's ironic because when we're younger, we're taught double down on your weaknesses, make your weaknesses better in interviews you get asked, what are your weaknesses, right? Um, and there's a real emphasis on your weakness. But if we just focused on our strengths and getting really good at the things we are naturally drawn to, we'll be able to activate happiness. And that's part of discovering what potential career paths could really support your happiness, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it was a really easy decision for me to pursue life coaching because I'm connecting with people. I'm winning others over all the time. I'm communicating with them. Another one of my top strengths is it's called maximizer. And what that means is you see something and you can maximize its potential. Like you can look at a system or a person and say, okay, I can see what you're trying to get at. You don't see it quite yet, but I can, ha I have the tools, the strengths, the questions I can ask you to get you to see your potential. Yeah. And so that activating those strengths on a regular basis as a coach makes me feel so fulfilled because the path is supporting what I'm good at and what I'm really able to like hone my strengths in on and make them really feel really confident in activating them every day. So I would say that's a big step in figuring out fulfillment and what you're doing. Because if you're doing things that you're not good at and you're trying to get better at them, you're creating friction for yourself. Yes. Yes. And and this also makes me think about the connection to the idea of boundaries. And when we are thinking mm -hmm. about what boundaries we're going to create, like one of the boundaries uh, to think about creating is in the context of what work am I going to accept doing if it's not in alignment with my strengths if it's an area of weakness that I have and somebody wants me to work do a task take on a task or a responsibility that uh, that you know is really an area of weakness for me makes me miserable to do it I need to set up a boundary and be like I'm not going to do that work I'm right. not going to take that on. I want to focus on doing tasks and doing work that um, that are my strengths. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, I mean, I I, I, I I imagine that there might be times though that um, that is not possible immediately. Um, like there might be some some some. Um, I mean, there are times uh, for all of us where there's some kind of urgent thing or an emergency crops up and, you know, you everyone sort of needs to step up and pitch in and do what needs to be done, even if it's not an area of strength for you. And that's okay, as long as it's, you know, in, a, in that kind of a limited context. But if it's going to become an ongoing thing, that's not okay. Correct. Yeah. And you actually started to like lean into something I call task crafting. So there's a concept called job crafting, mm. right? And this is a way to make yourself feel a little bit more comfortable, a little bit more fulfillment in a job that you might not love. And that's um, making your day to day a little less stressful in the sense of what you just said, focus on things that activate your strengths. And so you can craft the projects and the tasks that you're working on. So for instance, maybe you're on the finance team, but they, the marketing team needs support and you're interested in social media. You can raise your hand and say, Hey, I have some extra time. Like I'd love to work on this project. Right. And you're crafting the tasks and the projects that you're working on mm -hmm. so that you are again, outside of like the limited context of doing the things you don't necessarily love doing, you're actually adding things to your plate that you would enjoy that do activate your strengths would give you that sense of fulfillment. And that actually might spark some inspiration to exploring if you do enjoy that other avenues in the marketing team, right? And yes. then you've built up a relationship in that organization and you can transfer over. I actually did that um, in one of my 
earlier career, I, I worked in marketing. I was working on the account side and I said, hey, I'm really interested in strategy work. I would love to take on strategy as an extra project on the side on top of my responsibilities just to understand what it's like. And that turned into me transitioning from an account management role into a strategy role. And I got my hands on things that actually brought me more fulfillment. Granted, marketing was not the job for me at the end of the day. However, I was in the interim able to make myself a little bit happier on the day-to-day -day basis because I was crafting that experience to best suit my interests, my strengths, my skills. Right. And, and it was also an important um, interim step in the sense of like, we're not always always clear about what is it that I really want to do and what work will really make me happy and so sometimes you need to go through a process of trying a few different things out before you can get really clear on that and so you did what you could with what you had at the time and it actually you know makes me think Alex about um a post I saw that you made on your Instagram um, where you said something to the effect of oh my gosh um, I, I'm going to bear, try to paraphrase you because I won't be able to quote you exactly but you, you were making a point about how if, if there is work that like an industry that you're really not a good fit for mm -hmm. just switching from one company to another within that same industry is ultimately not going to be the path to happiness right and yeah. so uh, i'm thinking about that in the context of the, the the more specific position also now where if there's a specific kind of position um that you're really not a good fit for just doing that work more and more but maybe with different people or in different company i mean that's not going to be helpful either so you really need to try something different whether yeah. it's in the same company or a different company yeah i know exactly what post you're talking about so that yeah uh because i went through that i was looking, I was looking for a position that would actually make an impact. Right. And so I always thought that it would be the organization that I was working for would actually bring me that fulfillment. So I went from agency side in the marketing world to the publishing world within a health and wellness, because that was a clue there for me. I have always been interested in health and wellness. So I went from uh, candy brands and CPG companies to the health and wellness space because that was something I was naturally interested in. And then once I got into the health and wellness space, I was like, okay, this working environment, the work is good. Like I'm liking it better. So maybe it's just the company that is, I need, I need the company to have more of an impact. And then I went and worked for an organization directly that is a certified B Corp, which means that they are in business for good. They have a sustainability strategy, um, impact strategy, clean supply chains, all that good stuff. So I was like, yes, this is like the impact that I'm looking for. This is what where my meaning is going to come from because we're a company that's doing good. And it wasn't until I got to that point where I was like, hmm, I've been at <laughs> seven different jobs in the same industry in the same role and it's not the company because i'm here and i'm still really all the work that i'm doing is is really just impacting the bottom line and that's not the impact that i want to have even though the organization itself was a beautiful organization to work for i was just missing that in my personal impact the meaning of my day-to-day -day. and that was my first clue to say hey it's probably not the organization and you might need to look at the work itself and the role itself. Marketing probably isn't it. And yeah. it took me eight years to get there. So now I work with clients to shorten that time period so it doesn't take them eight years of trying on different jobs in the same industry to get to that realization. Because newsflash, if, it's, if you're not liking the work, 
There's nothing about the organization that's going to save you from feeling fulfillment and happiness if your day-to-day feels meaningless and you're unfulfilled. That's right. That's right. And again, I mean, if it was only something that you had to do for a time-bound, time-limited period, yeah. whatever, one thing like you can always have different strategies to um, sort of create positive mood for yourself in the short term. But in the long term, all those positive mood strategies in the world will not be sufficient to create sustainable happiness for you if you're not um, ultimately, you know, doing work that is grounded in your strengths and that holds um, or, or that is in alignment with the, the, the what gives you personal a sense of personal meaning and purpose in, in your life. Right. And I think a big thing that plays into that sense of fulfillment is being in alignment with your values. Yeah. That's another big element of of really uncovering what meaningful work looks like to you. And I can give you an example for one of my clients that I worked with recently. She is an entrepreneur and we were going through this because she's like, and she works in the health and wellness space too. She's a personal trainer. She's building her own business. And she was like, I don't know if this business is it. I don't know if fitness is it. I'm not really sure. She was having all these questions. And then I took her through my life roadmap framework. And at the end of it, she was like, no, it's not fitness. It's actually the fact that my one of my values is out of alignment and I'm feeling friction and conflict because one of my core values in life is freedom. And I feel as though because my business is my whole life right now, I have no freedom. Mm. And so she didn't necessarily need to make an entire career transition into a new industry. What we needed to do with her was come up with a plan to help her get more in alignment with that core value. And so now that we have a framework in place for her and she's working on setting boundaries, she's working on a new scheduling platform to help organize clients more. She's taking actual days off. She's like, wow, I'm feeling so much more fulfilled by this work because I'm now fully in alignment with my activating my strengths, with my core values. I feel really confident in what I'm doing. And going back to the mental boundaries, she's taking breaks. She's taking space. She's mm. giving herself time to reset so her business isn't running her life. Ah, oh, that is such a brilliant example. And it makes me think about another way a values conflict could could manifest. It makes me think about actually a coach um, that I got coached. I mean, she was I uh, I coached like as a student with her. So she was my coach and she was sharing with me like how um uh so uh, she was a she is an intuitive eating coach and so she was in initially you know um uh helping women lose weight and she had this approach that she was teaching that she had learned about how to help women lose weight and it was a lot to do with teaching people how to count calories and be on various uh, restrictions in terms of okay you can only consume this many calories and you can only consume this kind of food this and that and um, and she realized that approach was in conflict with her values of you know like living with non-judgment especially in the context of relationship with your body and uh, with the value of you know respecting the the feedback of your own body and the needs of your body and listening to your intuition because when you're following these kinds of rules you know it doesn't leave room for you to listen to what your intuition is telling you and what your body is giving you feedback on and all of that and so there was like this values conflict for her in in the context of the method of the work that uh, she was doing and so and so now 
you know, she has shifted to, she's still working with women on how to be more healthy and wellness. And some of that comes down to, you know, also impacting the weight uh, uh, and helping people be at a healthier weight. But she is now doing it from a very different perspective that is not in conflict with the val- these values that she holds and so this with this intuitive eating approach you know it, um, it allows her to be in alignment so I love this how you have highlighted um, that you know wow these different aspects that you need to have in alignment in order to be truly happy with the work that you're doing in at, at work yeah, yeah. absolutely and I'll just end with this. Career transitions are totally normal. The decision that you make when you're 22 going into the workforce does not need to be your decision for the rest of your career. And making a transition to be more in alignment with your strengths and your values is such a courageous and admirable thing to do. And there are so many people who have done it. I like right off the bat, my best example is Julia Child. She was working as like a research assistant or something, and she didn't publish her first cookbook until she was 39. Um, Vera Wang was working um, uh, as like a journalist and didn't actually make her first wedding dress until she was 41. So if you have an inkling of a dream or like an inkling of a calling to pursue something other than what you're currently doing, I think no amount of these like happiness habits will help in the interim, but long-term happiness will come from you pursuing what actually excites you and fulfills you and brings you that, that joy and happiness and sense of purpose every single day. Cause that is ultimately going back to Dr. Martin Solomon's positive psychology here. Um, his third level of happiness is finding meaning and purpose. So you're activating your strengths for level two, right? You're doing something that makes you feel really good. And then when you find your meaning, when you find your purpose, that is where long-term enduring happiness comes from. Indeed. Oh my gosh. You know, this happens every time I'm talking with you, Alex. I do stack up time. (laughs) And you keep making me think of more things to talk to you about. And we're running out of time again. You'll just have to come back again. I'll come back whenever you want me to. I love our conversations. Me too. Me too. Yes. And so, okay. So we do need to wrap up for right now. Do you have any last words or thoughts you want to share? Be bold. I think that is something that really, that my mom actually said to me and it inspired me to be bold and take the leap and make a transition because I was so unhappy, but it just takes one decision to change your life. Mm. So be bold, make that decision and go for it unapologetically. I love that. Be bold and check the show notes because we're going to be dropping Alex's links in there. So uh, connect with her and she can help you be more bold and until we connect next time I just wish you lots and lots of peace and joy. Mm-hmm.